Hi, and welcome to that podcast episode 7. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And I'd like to apologise because I've had a little bit of illness last week, so I'm a little bit croaky. I might sound a bit strange, and I'm probably not going to talk as much as I usually would. Uh, thankfully, I've got Bo with me, who usually does a good share of talking. So uh, it's good to see you, man. Uh, we not spoke for, what, over a month now? Yeah, it's been a it's been quite a while. I think the last time we talked, I was still in North Dakota. Yeah, and uh, since then, you've where where was your vacation? Or where's your holiday? Uh, we've been to Italy. Um, well, mostly Italy. We had a a day in uh, in Belgium on the way back. Uh, it was yes. really cool. Cool. So uh, after uh, listening to the last episode, my wife said, "Hold up, hold up, hold up." Did you ask him why his dog has a passport? <laughs> um, that's something that none of us really, or like neither of us really considered that a pet would need a passport. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to travel through Europe, um, your dog needs a passport just like you do. Um, I mean, uh, there's some sort of special agreement within Europe itself for passing through borders where you don't usually need a passport anyway. But mm-hmm. because the UK is its own island, you do need a passport to get in and out of the UK. And mm. the dogs are the same. Um, so we, we rarely get asked for it when we're on the continent, but we do require, require a passport to get the dog in and out of the UK. Right. Um, he also requires um, a certain amount of uh, injections and things. Mm-hmm. So when you're coming back into the UK, you actually have to take the dog to the vets to get... Um, he has some uh, flea and tick stuff applied. And I think he has an, in- I might, does he have an injection as well? I can't remember. But he definitely has some sort of treatment from the vet. And then you've got a 24 hour window to get him back into the country. Otherwise you have to start over. So mm. he has to have the treatment and then you have 24 hours wait before you can come into the country. And then after that 24 hours wait, you've got another 24 hours to get him back into the UK. Otherwise you'd have to go back to the vet. Mm get the treatment again, wait 24 hours, and so on and so forth. So that can be a little bit uh, sort of stressful. Yeah, um, that sounds... Depending on your travel plans. Because uh, where we, we, we go to... Uh, it's the Italian Alps, so it's North Italy. But it's um, anything from a 12 to 14-hour drive once you get onto Europe itself or into the main European continent. Um so it's quite a long drive. So usually we're seeing a vet in Italy where we are, and then we've got to get across Italy, Switzerland, uh, France, Belgium, Luxembourg, etc., to get onto a ferry to get to the UK. So it can be a little bit stressful, should I say. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's been on loads of holidays with us now, uh, always to Italy, because um, it's my mum and dad's uh, sort of apartment there. So, you know, there's no problem with us having dogs in the accommodation mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually in a ski resort so in the summer we do lots of walking uh, which he absolutely loves and it's just amazing so it's really really nice to take him uh, it's just the cat gets the raw deal and has to stay at home on its own yeah so so do all pets have to have a passport like cats and birds and turtles and whatnot or is it just dogs no i'd say i think all all pets all? do um uh, you don't oh. see many cats going round, although I did see someone in a caravan with two cats. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a standard sort of, you know, border control thing. Huh. I imagine, I, I don't know, if you went to Mexico, would they let you just take dogs? 
I don't know. Canada. I, I, I guess that's the thing is that, you know, we, we haven't had to travel with a pet before like yeah. that. Uh, we, we, um, uh, when we moved, uh, back to Seattle from, uh, Chicago, well, she was, it's kind of complicated. Uh, it was, at, uh, her cat lived with her in Chicago and then she lived in California for a little while. And when she did that, the cat lived with her mom and dad. So when we finally moved her up to Seattle, we drove from, uh, Wisconsin to Seattle with her cat, but crossing states, you don't have to do anything at all. No. You know, so it's sort of similar and it was just, you know, you just take your cat to the new other state <laughs> and, you know, he didn't yeah. need any special paperwork or anything like that. Or well, she didn't rather. It's kind of like that in Europe. You're required, as far as I know, you're supposed to have the documentation, but there's never anybody checking this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the only border we actually stopped at, so as we drive, so we got the ferry from Hull, which is the nearest city to where I live, mm-hmm. uh, to Zeebrugge, which is in Belgium. We drive through Belgium, through Luxembourg, uh, through France, through Switzerland, and then into Italy. And the only time we got stopped at any borders it was when we drove into Switzerland, and that's because you have to pay um, for what's called a vignette. Uh, and I've discussed this with Igor before. I think it's it's uh, it's horrific. I had to pay about fifty euros, I think. To be able to drive on their um, motorways or um, what do you call what do you call them? big the big roads? I don't mm-hmm. know. You, what do you call them in America? Uh, uh, it's the interstate freeways. Freeway, freeways. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. So as far as I know, they don't have regular road tax, but they do tax the motorways. Mm-hmm. Now, now in France, you'd pay a pay as you go, so you'd pay, uh, you know, by the mile on the motorways. But. Cool. Uh, but in Switzerland, you have to pay a one-off fee. So I, I spend about, I pay about 50 euros or 40 euros for the pleasure of driving on their motorways for about two, two and a half hours once a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we have, we have some toll roads, uh, in Illinois. I think those are the closest ones that once we get out of Wisconsin and start driving to Chicago, uh, it's all toll all the way. Yeah. And, you know, it's like anywhere between, uh, a dollar fifty and like four dollars to go each little stretch. Um, so it, it adds up pretty quickly if you do it very often, but uh, we don't generally go there often enough for it to be a huge issue. But that yeah. sounds like a, that sounds like a lot. Well, I mean, it depends. Like, if you're going to be doing it a lot, it's probably cheap for the citizens of Switzerland, but for anybody who wants to drive through once, and I oh, literally you, just... So you only have to pay it once, once a year? Once a year, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the... That, <laughs> so that's the, great from... For lots of people, but for me, who's just literally driving through, yeah, um, it's not so good. But it's still cheaper doing it that way than dr- the other option is to drive through France the whole way and um, go through the mm-hmm. Mont Blanc tunnel. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd end up paying more tolls in France that way, um, and it's not quite as nice a drive. I don't think it's uh, going through Switzerland. Switzerland's really nice, I think. Cool. So I actually get to go to Europe, so I'm I'm, I'm going to see. A very small fraction of things. We're um, uh, when we're coming to Symphony Live. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but we're going to go to Paris for two nights. Oh, excellent! All right. I know yeah. you sort of mentioned that you were thinking about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yep, we decided to um, take the train, so we're going to we're going to see at least some of uh, of France. So that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to that, and yeah. <laughs> so I, I I I we'll we'll get to see firsthand what it's like to go between European countries. So, well, kind of. It's a bit different on the train. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it will be. But... You're in a dark, deep, dark tunnel. Um, 
under the sea. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool. I'm sure cool, Luke's going to enjoy it. He loves trains, so yeah. Um, it'll it'll so, be it'll be interesting to see what it's like. So uh, we went to um, Disneyland Paris uh, for our honeymoon. Uh, so that was two and a two and a nearly two and a half years ago now. So, and so Evie was one and a half, uh, and she really enjoyed the train. She was really good. Uh, we just took lots of books, and mm-hmm. you know, and she she was quite happy on it. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So how do your kids travel? Like are they are they good travelers now? They did they did really well considering we So we got off the ferry at quarter past nine in the morning and we didn't get to the apartment in Italy until ten o'clock at night. So that's a lot of driving. Um mm-hmm. they did really well. I mean in car D V D player, uh as <laughs> an absolute lifesaver. I don't know how my parents managed without them. I honestly don't. Um yeah. Other than that, we had um, we had a few sort of hacks, uh, loads and loads of food and snacks, mm-hmm. different kinds of things. Just you know, little and often, little and often. And uh, also, Rebecca had this massive bag of toys in the front seat with her, so we drip fed them toys throughout throughout the uh, the journey. You know, so once nice. they got really bored of one thing, we gave them another thing. And mm-hmm. there's a few uh, a few new toys in there as well that they hadn't seen before, which they obviously got excited about. Yeah, that's uh, so. that's, a, that's a good idea. We'll have to try that sometime. We we usually uh we, we'll 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 often get something special for a trip, but Luke usually knows about it. Yeah. So, um so it would be interesting to to try that where it's like, "Oh, hey, check this out. Something brand yeah. new that I wasn't expecting." So, that that sounds like a fun one. Yeah, they were really really good. I'm I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be really stressful because it's a obviously a long drive. Previously, we've um we broke the journey up and stayed overnight somewhere in France, so almost a halfway stop. Mm-hmm. But because we were getting the ferry overnight and starting fresh in the morning after a reasonable night's sleep, we just uh, cracked on with it, so it was really cool. Nice. Un- unfortunately, though, so while they travelled really well, um, massive, massive sleep regression when we got mm-hmm. there. So both of them up every night for the first week, so we didn't get a, f- a decent night's sleep. Mm. Until the second week of holiday, which was horrific. I don't think it was anywhere near as horrific as when they were babies, but that, that's just a memory now, if you see what I mean there. Yeah. So while my brain remembers how bad that was, my body still thinks this was extremely traumatic. So. <laughs> yeah. So now, now that we've moved, um, I don't remember if I've actually mentioned it on the podcast or not, but we, um, Luke's been sleeping with us quite a bit. Like anywhere between 10 p.m. and 3 a.m., he would basically call for us. And when we were living at Edgerton, we were in the basement. He was upstairs. So we would actually have one of us. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like it was pretty even, but it was probably Beck more than I was by a lot. In, in my head, it was even. Um, but yeah. someone would go upstairs, have to go upstairs because he would just sit up there and call for us. So we would go up and get him and bring him downstairs. And upstairs was the other family. So it was really kind of uncomfortable and we didn't want to try to say, no, Luke, go back to bed or whatever. You know, we didn't want to go through that battle um, because that would negatively impact the other family uh, living yeah. in the rooms next door. So we sort of put off any sort of um, sleep training sort of things to to try and keep him in his bed um, yep. until we moved. And it's worked great. 
like basically since the first night we lived we lived in this place uh he's been sleeping in his room all night long and awesome. it's just been amazing it's been uh it's really 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 helps our our sleep patterns and everything and he'll still wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and start calling for us and we'll say no luke it's okay go back to bed and then he goes back to bed and we don't even have to go in there because our, our rooms are right next to each other now so um so i can i, I can i can feel you <laughs> on yeah. the on the sleep issues because that 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 can be painful even though it's not as bad as it was when they were really little oh yeah, yeah. it's so so it makes such a difference to your life to get a good night's sleep um mm-hmm. and i say good night i'm not a big sleeper I, I mean i can live on six hours a night throughout the week and have a little bit more weekends usually fine but it's got to be good six good hours and my my head hits the pillow i go to sleep and i wake up six hours later i'm mm-hmm. i feel great but um rowan's a really good sleeper um Evelyn wasn't when she was a baby, but, um, more recently, um, being, Evie doesn't wear, um, doesn't have, um, what do you call, you'd call them diapers, we call them nappies, um, mm-hmm. on during night. She hasn't for some time. Uh, at one point, it was, it was ages ago, she just turned around and said, Daddy, I'm a big girl now, I'm not wearing those. <laughs> uh, which is great in a way, but it, she, she still, uh, she rarely can go the night without having to go to the toilet, so, Usually we'd uh, get, we sort of wait, we don't really wake her up about 11 o'clock. We just sort of scoop her out of bed, take her to the toilet and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's even, and, but she's getting better. Um, we're sort of having to do that less and less anyway. Now she's getting better at that. So it's sort of rare that we have a, a night where with interrupted sleep these days. Uh, so to, to go on holiday and to have seven nights of, you know, yeah, it's not just one interruption. It was several interruptions. Um, you know, it made it difficult. But uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. the second week we uh we got back back into a routine. Yeah. So on on that, my uh the the family that we were staying with, uh the ones uh Beck's uh, sister, um had twins, and they just had their their other baby, <laughs> like two nights ago, I think. I think technically. Technically, I think it was yesterday. It was like at 12.01 a.m. So I think technically it was yesterday. So we it might have been the two days ago. I'm, I'm, I've actually had really bad sleep patterns for the last five days. <laughs> so I'm losing track of days too. Uh, we went up there on Sunday, uh, to see them because they had just moved. They finished their move into their new place. Uh, so we, we took a little trip up to their new, their home, their new home. Uh, and then the next day, uh, I think the next day is when, when the baby was born. And then, so we went, I, yeah, that was Monday. Wow. Is it Thursday? Yeah. Uh, okay. I'd see. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess, I guess that was a couple of days ago. I, in my head, it was yesterday, but I guess it was probably Monday, maybe Tuesday at the latest. I'm pretty sure it was Monday. No, no, no. Oh, so we went, we went up on Monday actually, cause that was a holiday here. Um, so I guess it was Tuesday that, that he was born. So that was a lot of fun. So they're, they're, they're getting into. <coughs> They're getting into a place now where they're going to be um, going through the the sleeping issues and yeah. you know, newborn baby and yeah so. yeah. Well, I was just listening to the te- uh, texting podcast as I walked the dog, and uh, one of the co the hosts on there has just uh, had a baby, and um, I didn't quite listen because I was dealing with the dog or something. But they were, I think, they'd had some feeding issues with their their newborn, mm-hmm. and they were they were on a very strict regime of you know feeding the baby x amount every three hours and uh mm-hmm. it reminded me when evie was born because she was 
she was a tiny, tiny baby. She was only four pound four ounces. Mm. And we kind of had to, basically we had to bulk her up before they'd let us leave the hospital. Mm. Um, we ended up being there a week. Um, and it was a case of we had to wake her up every two hours and try and get food down her. Mm. But she was so small and so tiny. It was really difficult because most of the time she'd just throw everything back up because mm. she, she literally didn't have a stomach big enough for yeah. the food we were giving her. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like trial and error trying to find the right amount of food to give her that she'll put on weight, but not mm. so much that she'll be sick. And uh, it was weird stuff. Yeah. And then, then how completely different it was with Rowan. You know, he came out of the, out of the womb, straight onto the breast, and then just did not look back. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that boy is the best eater I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, you know, he right. just, he's just so good. Everything we put in front of him, he just eats, you know. Right. It's really, but you know he has his own problems as well. You know? Yeah. So I was on the uh, Three Devs and a Maybe podcast. I saw and I started listening, but I didn't get very far because I was trying to work. But uh, yeah. I will. I will listen this week. Yeah. So one of the co-hosts just had a baby as well. So we talked about that a little bit and kind of, yeah, you know, it was kind of fun to catch up with someone who was kind of freshly going <coughs> through this and. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it seems like a lot of people are having babies right now, at least in the podcast that we're listening to or associated with yeah well uh rebecca uh, one of rebecca's close colleagues had a a newborn about two weeks ago as well while we were on holiday so yeah so there's another one baby arthur cool. it's, uh, it's it's kind of nice hearing about all these stories as well um because we're, we're we're pretty settled on two now uh mm-hmm. no more babies for us uh, which is sad, uh, sad in its own way but it's also when i start hearing more of the horror stories i can kind of like Safely think, oh yes, I won't have to deal with that again. Uh, <laughs> it's nice, yeah. but then God, there's always something. I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as when they were babies, but I mean, the you know, the kids change, and yeah, change brings difficulties all the time. So, yeah, I, that's kind of what I was saying the other day. Was you know, it gets easier, and then it gets harder, and then easier and harder. And by the time you get used to it being a certain way. And everything is smooth, and then something else happens, and everything changes. And yeah, like at the minute, I just do not know how to deal with the way my daughter speaks to me. Mm. I mean, I, I, I just honestly, I just she's she's three and a half, but she talks to me like Rebecca does, and <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary, and um, and I just don't seem to have all have or have all that much power over her either. You know, like, kind of like we do things like that. We're reading books and watching tv and you know mm-hmm. punishments and and it does work but no, not as well as i'd like it to but then at the same time sometimes i think i expect too much of her she's only three and a half you know yeah so kind of difficult that isn't it yeah yeah luke's, luke's kind of going through a little rebellious phase right now where he's starting to assert himself a little bit more and um so we uh, he recently saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer. Oh, yes. Right. I remember you mentioning it. Yeah, and uh, he's super excited about turtles now. But with that came a lot of punching and stabbing you in the tummy. And it's like, mm. wait, no, wait. Like, that wasn't even in the trailer. How did you figure out that that's what you do with swords <laughs> is stab people and make a hole in people's tummy? It's like, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, Maybe we shouldn't, like, you know, people are probably already thinking, why are we letting your three and a half year old, you know, watch these violent things on TV? But it's just, 
a trailer. You know, it, was, it wasn't even something that we intentionally oh, yeah. let him see. And, um, but he's picking up so much from it. It's just pretty scary how quickly they can assimilate this, this knowledge. And yeah, they're incredible sometimes. Evelyn, yeah. I don't know, I don't know why they do it in the UK, but I, I assume they're targeting, um, sort of housewives and house husbands. But, um, there seems to be a lot of adverts for washing detergent and stain remover on during the kids' <laughs> programs and the kids' TV shows. Yeah. Now, e- Evelyn's a little expert on these things. I mean, she, <laughs> she's always telling me about things. We go to the supermarket and she's telling me I should get this and should get that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But, you know, she just sees these adverts and they must yeah. have drilled into her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we, we do a lot of stuff with like Netflix. Uh, mm. we don't, we didn't, we haven't had like broadcast television or cable TV pretty much since, since Luke was born. I think we might've had it right when he was born, but then when we moved to Minot in when he was six months old, we never got cable TV again after that. Um, but then we would go to hotels and hotels would have TV and it would just be standard broadcast TV or standard cable TV. Mm. And the first time we went to, um, a hotel and he was watching like square bob sponge pants or something like that. No, sponge. All right. I'll back. I'll circle back to that. I'll circle back to that later. Um, the commercials came on and he said, I don't want to watch this. And he was so confused by commercials. The first probably, mm. you know, two or three trips that we went on hotels, he's, he would get, he would get frustrated because he's like, why is this on? Where's the cartoon or where, where is whatever I was watching? I don't want to watch this. Why did you change it? I'm like, I didn't change it, buddy. We don't want to watch it either. <laughs> you know, we don't want to watch these cartoons mm-hmm. either, but now are these, not these cartoons, but these commercials. And you know, now, now it doesn't phase him. Like he's used to it now. Like if we go to a hotel or if we go to grandma's house where she has like Nickelodeon, she turns Nickelodeon on yeah. and you know, he's just sort of assimilated. To, we get, we get a similar that, thing so. as well. Um, so, when we've, we've recorded something from the TV, I think you'd call it a DVR. Right? We just mm-hmm. don't really use that word. Yeah. yeah. Um, so of course, when the commercials or the ad, we call them adverts come on, you can fast forward them when you've mm-hmm. recorded something. But when yeah. you're watching, actually watching it live, so now yeah. our kids also are like, well, can't we fast forward this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can't fast forward real life. Although it would yeah. be nice sometimes. Um, so just, uh, what you just going on that though, um, um, Mateus Ferres tweeted something this morning about um, YouTube showing an advert or a trailer for a horror movie on the front of a kid's like oh. cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can understand why that might have happened, especially if he was logged into his YouTube account. You know, yeah, he's probably clicked at some point, clicked the I'm an adult, I can see. Not mm-hmm. they'd be watching anything scrupulous, but you know, there's yeah. all sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. So because he's logged into YouTube, they're probably yeah. targeting his interests or his age or his, you know, yeah, his demographic when really they should probably be looking at the kind of thing he's also Actually, watching. Yeah. Uh, should be context aware. You know, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm looking at, you know, a kid's show, then, you know, show Don't, me a kid's appropriate ad for my, my interests or my interests around when I'm watching kid shows. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So um, SpongeBob SquarePants, this is a little family story. My mom, for the longest time, did not know how to say SpongeBob SquarePants. She called him SquareBob SpongePants. And she did this for so long that uh, eventually we started to, to say it as well, almost in a, a, a lovingly, jokingly, mockingly sort of way. Um, mm. To this day, I still 
switch between the two and i i don't even think about it and i'll, I'll just say square bob smudge pants without thinking and uh i catch myself most of the time after i've said it. i'm like ah, i said it wrong again so anyway that's that's <laughs> that's where that came from if anyone is curious why i would uh switch those around yeah, so the holiday, I mean, do you want to speak about the podcast stuff before, shall I, before I start wittering about my holiday? Um, you could you could probably uh, talk about the holiday stuff real quick. I, I shall witter about my holiday. Um, yeah. It was, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure just as I left, I saw a, a podcast title. I didn't get around to listening to it, but the, the title was um, something along the lines of, you can't say vacation and kids in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> and... It's so, so true. I, I feel like my holiday was a, a mental break, but only in the capacity of I was away from work. Otherwise, it was not relaxing. Mm-hmm. Or it was, there were times when it was relaxing. Certainly more relaxing than in, uh, when I'm at home or in our usual daily life. But, you know, it's just with two kids running around constantly and keeping them entertained and stuff. It's really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of work, I didn't do much at all. I did take my laptop with me, and I had it occasionally, and I tend to work on a couple of little toy things I was working on, nothing interesting. Uh, I started taking, writing down notes, uh, preparation for Symphony Live talk, and but I did that mostly with uh, good old-fashioned pen and paper. So, yeah, and so it was really nice to get away from work. And I, I don't, not that I mind work, it's just that I literally barely touched it. Uh I think there were maybe two or three occasions when um, I was blocking something um, for some subcontractors or some agency that we use, um, in which case I'd just jump onto my laptop and did what was needed. Um, but one thing that made really nice, what was really, that was really nice was I felt like I got my evenings back and, and Rebecca has as well, so she wasn't doing schoolwork on an evening and things. So just about every night, Rebecca and I just sat down, drank wine, watched TV together, uh, and we just, we maybe, if we're lucky, do that once or twice a week, you know, in the normal working week. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like much, especially to those who aren't parents, you know, to sit, sit down and watch telly and drink wine. Yeah. Uh, but it was, that was quite a treat, I think. <laughs> cool. So yeah. You, but, you, yeah. Did you actually end up implementing your, uh, fallback plan thing you were telling me about that. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about or not. Um, like the the break window if emergency thing. So I didn't implement the app, but somewhere on one of my servers there is a tarball with um, SSH keys, some passwords, usernames, some information. Mm-hmm. And in my wallet I had a, an, a printout of the L and the password so that mm. if I did need to call somebody, I could say, download this URL, PGP, decrypt it with this uh, passphrase, and that would get people into things. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, there is actually something popped up on Hacking News. Uh, it's called popbox.io, and it was a, a one-time sort of, it's a web app. Uh, it uses client-side encryption, so you can put in text, images, whatever you like, into the JavaScript front-end. It would encrypt it using a password, upload the all uh, client-side encryption, 
mm-hmm. uh, upload the data to their servers, and then give you a generated URL that you could pass to somebody else. And that URL included the password, but the, the password never actually went to their servers. Um, so when they clicked the URL and opened it, it would download the data from the server, decrypt it in the client-side JavaScript with the password that was in the URL, um, and display the files for for use, and also delete it from the server. So it was mm-hmm. actually kind of the kind of thing I was thinking about yeah. in the one or two days leading up to my holiday that I sort of described to you. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not really all that keen on in-browser cryptography. Yeah. Um, I say that just because I don't understand or trust, whereas I would trust PGP and right. or, or GNU, GPG, GNU, PG, whatever it is. Yeah, it would be really hard to not... It would be really hard to notice if they switched <laughs> to not encrypting it at all. You know, yeah, that's you, what I don't you trust. Know? Yeah, I don't want to have to code review yeah. the JavaScript to make sure it's uh, it's mm-hmm. happening. So my tool would have been more along the lines of it literally takes your file for you, mm-hmm. gives you. I was going to give it have it generate sort of a bunch of URLs, so mm-hmm. maybe five by default, all of mm-hmm. which are one time use. So once they've been used, it's burnt. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was going to do that, but it would only be a little toy project, nothing to make money or anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did have a backup plan in case I couldn't reach any of my servers or if I didn't have a data connection, I desperately needed one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't have to use it again. Thank you, cool. thankfully. Awesome. So yeah, other than that, the holiday, we didn't do a lot, uh, which is kind of nice. Um, because it's in the Alps, um, there's not a whole lot to do. Usually we do a lot of walking and picnicking and stuff. But because Evie's Evie's too sort of big to be carried around everywhere, but also too small to be to walk really long distances. Uh, we kept most of the walks quite small um, and just sort of played in the sunshine, mm-hmm. things like that. So that was quite nice. Cool. On the way back, we did um, we actually did most of the driving in one day and stayed the night in Bruges, and then. So the day we were getting on the ferry, we actually had the day, day to do it. Like, and we went to a, um, a theme park, and uh, they had a dolphinarium, which uh, Evie's not seen dolphins before, but she's absolutely crazy about dolphins, so uh, she really enjoyed that. It was a bit of an old, old world theme park, though, you know, like, I don't know how old it was. It must have been, like, 50, 50 years old and hasn't seen that much sort of renovation, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids enjoyed it all the same. So yeah, cool. Mm, sounds like fun. Yeah, we've been uh, having fun exploring Madison. Uh, we uh, there's there's a couple of lakes around Madison, like big lakes that uh, I think if you look at the map, there's one just to the south and one just to the north, and the capital is actually in this little tiny isthmus between them. Um, and we're we're really only like five minutes away from one of them, so we went to uh, that lake a couple of times now and let Luke like splash around in the water a couple of times. And uh, one time we just kind of sat on the rocks and he has this little toy fishing pole uh, that uh, my sister and her fiance got him in North Dakota that, you know, he could just cast this fishing, you know, it's just like a, uh, I think they, they actually like <coughs> took, took off the hook on like one of those rubber fish, like one of the, uh, the bait, fake bait fish. So he's All right, casting. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. 
yeah, so he's been casting that into the water and having fun with that. So uh, we did that. Last night we found another park that was really, really close to where we are. Um, and that, that has a little tiny pond around it. So it's been a lot of fun. We've been having a good time exploring Madison. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be nice to to be here and kind of learn more about it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, podcast. How how are we doing? Have we got any any? How many five star reviews have we got? Uh, we've gotten two. What extra or total? No, two total. Two total. We need we need more. We need more. And you know what? We get a lot of people saying a lot of awesome stuff about us, but they don't. Share it in the way of five star reviews on iTunes. They don't put the money where the mouth is. Yeah, I like the way um, Bootstrap with Kids uh, approach this. They say uh, we are currently accepting five star reviews. <laughs> yep, uh, yeah. and I think that's right. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a little five star review campaign on Twitter for us. So oh, cool. It's got precisely zero five star reviews, but oh. you know, we'll get there. We'll get there because everyone listening right now are. You know, they might as well just go to iTunes and give us a five star review. If they indeed use iTunes, I think that's one of our problems. Yeah. I think I think iTunes support is probably waning. Um, I mean, I, I don't use it. I, I yeah. use it to upload up. Sorry, to encode our podcast, and that's about it. So yeah, yeah. I've um, I've been playing around with uh, Overcast. Uh, I've uh, you told me about another podcast app that you use. I think I got. I ended up getting the iOS version of what you use, maybe? I'm trying to... I'm, I don't, I don't even know what mine's called. Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts. I think that... Yeah, I think that actually is which one... Uh, that's the one that I have. Um, and so I tried that one for a little bit, and then I've been playing with Overcast. I think that's Marco Armit, Armot. I don't remember how to pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, the, but uh, I've been playing with that. Instapaper guy, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So I know what you mean. Yeah, but that's that's been a pretty cool app. Uh, actually, um, one of the things I was going to uh, bring up on my list is uh, PodTrack. Uh, Raphael Domes. <coughs> is that how yep. you pronounce his name? I've never. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's so many people that I see their Twitter handles, and in my head I say them one way, but I really have no idea how they're actually yeah. pronounced. Um, but uh, he has a project called PodTrack, PodTrack.me, and we're on there now. Um, oh, cool. so we're one of the, the projects on there. So I, it, it looks to be pretty cool. Um, I haven't really used it, but it's for tracking quotes in podcasts, um, or songs. Like you could like tag a song in a podcast or you could tag quotes. So for example, if I say something awesome in that podcast, uh, I could go find it and say, uh, Bo said this at this point. Um, so right, okay. someone could go check it out. Uh, I haven't actually used it yet because I haven't, had had time to play with it but um i i submitted us to it because i kind of wanted to see what that process was like and about four days later um we got mentioned on twitter saying hey due to popular demand you know that podcast has been added i'm like oh sweet i wonder if there was more than just me and uh sure enough uh willem jans uh twitter handle willem jans um requested we were added because uh he he responded to the uh the pod track message saying oh thanks for adding that you know i added it yesterday or whatever so uh, there's other people interested enough in our podcast to uh, add it to cool new technology cool new toys like pod track me so that's pretty cool yeah cool uh, yep um i've tried to keep engaged with people uh i tried to let them know that we were going to be a little while between our before our next episode 
So that's been pretty good. But we've actually had a lot of feedback uh, in the form of tweets. Um, Taylor Otwell actually listened to that podcast, which was cool. pretty awesome. Yeah. Super and, uh, famous. Yeah, super famous. Now we've, we we know we've made it. Big time. <laughs> uh, he said that he made it at least halfway through uh, the one where Orms are dead uh, without yeah. accidentally closing a tab. So that was pretty awesome. Um, Controversial uh yeah. Topic uh, title uh, probably drew him in, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I've noticed that. That seems... I uh, I haven't looked at the analytics lately, but I think that is probably one of our more popular uh, downloaded uh, podcasts. So we should try to do that. We should come up with a really super controversial title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably listen for a few minutes and realize uh, I'm going to be nowhere near controversial yeah, <laughs> in my uh, tone yeah. and attitude. And, yeah. and but, on the... but speaking of that, isn't didn't the um, signal leaf? Um, yep, you said yep. mentioned the stats, didn't they mention us? I think. Yeah. Yep, yep. The signal leaf author um, said that they uh, they're really liking it. Uh, developer entrepreneur uh, trying to balance life. So that's kind of what this episode's a lot about so far is balancing life and going on yeah. trips and kids and stuff. So uh, it was pretty cool. The Derek Bailey is the author of the yeah, signal yep. leaf. Signal leaves yeah. the uh, software we use to store the uh, the media, um, and I first came across him on um, a, a a blog that's run by a fair few people, quite a few people from the DDD community, uh, I think as well. I just uh, I can't remember what the uh, the blog is, but I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's just yeah. a, a funny tie-in, you know, when you realise that you the, the software you're looking at is run by somebody whose blog you've read yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. So I've actually bumped into a few of his posts in various places as well since then that I realized mm. that, you know, it was the same person. So that's been pretty cool. Um, on the, uh, the controversial side of things, um, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, PHP punch. Uh, did you, did you, you saw that one, right? I did see that. Yes. Yeah. That one was awesome. And, uh, yo dog, I heard you like podcasts. So we created a podcast where we talk about our podcast and what our wives say about our podcast. So, um, thank you for that. That was awesome. That sounds uh, fairly, it's quite fair as yeah, well. Yeah, it is, it is, it is quite fair. Um, so yeah, thank you for that PHP punch. We really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just glad I don't care what people think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel Claremont, um, actually last, episode uh, I made a big deal about the fact that we have dates on our podcast website uh, Joel Claremont was kind enough to point out that the dates on the podcast uh, every episode was the same date as the Thanks. most recent <laughs> so thank you for reporting that Joel that was awesome uh, Eric Hogue um, said that he has piles uh, he piles mail as well um so that was pretty cool. Uh, probably not as bad as I do. <laughs> mm. So uh, he wanted to comment on that. So that's that's good that there's other people out there like that. Uh, Ian Jenkins uh, said that he just uh, listened to the first episode and loved it. James Porter uh, was going to listen to it while he does chores for his wife. Yeah, it sounds awesome. like it. I doubt she would have let him. <laughs> li- I doubt she'd let him listen to it while he does the chores. That is. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know James very well. 
You do? And, oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I used to work with James. Uh, I know Ian as well, only very briefly through Twitter and met him at conferences a couple of times. Cool. Uh, Anthony Sterling says, really enjoying. Thanks for taking the time to share. Uh, Victor Puertas uh, said that he was listening while he was drinking a cup of coffee. And uh, nice. Tim Little um, recorded a little something for us. So we'll have to see if we can work that into this episode or the next episode. Did you get a chance to listen to those? No. Where, yeah, where he, was I? Um, he, he, he got a new microphone. And so he was looking to do some voiceover stuff for All us. All right, cool. Our voiceover stuff for people to test out his new um, things. So he, he did a couple of variations on... You know, like an I, intro sort of thing. And now I remember you asking me, but I don't actually remember getting any links to hear okay. anything. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll share that. So that'll be good. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, both Code Rabbi and, and, uh, Hari, uh, mentioned that they were excited to be mentioned on the podcast. So, uh, oh, I think cool. that we probably can't, um, always mention people being excited about being mentioned because then it'll be kind of the circular thing. So yeah. I probably won't do that again. <laughs> and uh code rabbi's playlist uh he did a pretty nice write-up about us yes i um, could read that as well yeah, kind of along, yeah it was alongside um probably five or six other podcasts so um i thought the way that he described it was pretty good um it it made me feel like we are achieving the, what we set yeah. out to achieve yeah I, I that's how i felt as well yeah so that was pretty good um uh, so thank you for the the kind words and and uh awesome description it pretty much makes us feel like we're doing what we set out to do so thank you for that code rabbi definitely yeah um so yeah i think that's it for the podcast shout outs uh which there were a lot of them because it's been almost a month so uh if you want to uh get a proper shout out you can mention us anytime or you can call and leave us a voicemail how many voicemails have we had dave Zero. Zero. I would have to say that I'm surprised by that. <laughs> I know. That is probably my least successful project of all time. Yeah. Uh, but it would could change dramatically into my most successful project of all time if somebody would just call yeah. and leave us a just, message. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> just one is all we need, and then we'll be able yeah. to not talk about it anymore, and it can just kind of... It's cost me almost $4 in... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Line rental, for God, for goodness sake. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I think it's a cool thing. Hopefully someone does it sometime. I think I might stop pushing it because nobody seems yeah, to care. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry, pal. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get some uh, telemarketing scam at some point. Yeah, at some point. That'd be pretty fun. Hmm. We, could, we could play that and shred whoever it is, so that'd be good. Yeah. So, so on to other interesting topics. Um, or maybe not so interesting, depending on your, your take. Um, I saw a tweet probably a month ago <laughs> and, uh, I totally lost it because, you know, I didn't keep track of it at the time, but it reminded me of a problem that I've, I've been thinking about for quite a while. Um, okay. I just hadn't really mentioned it. Luke is not going to be able to get a valid, not a valid, a, a very good username or domain name or anything. Hmm. I mean, he can't have Simonson because I'm Simonson everywhere that I can be. You know, he's yep. not going to be Luke anywhere. He's not going to get Luke.io or 
luke.blog or whatever, he's not going to get anything useful. I don't know. It's, it seems like a an interesting problem for people of the next generation to have. Like, I'm already struggling with these things where, like, everything that I want to get for names are taken. That problem's just going to get compounded over time. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, don't forget, you, you acquire a lot of domains and a lot of names for things uh, far more than the average person. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is uh, companies can always buy things. So mm-hmm. you never know, Luke might be some megalomaniac, <laughs> rich rich guy who can just buy what he needs. Yeah, um, that's true. The new TLDs all the time. Um, there's new thing. I mean, you know, we didn't have .io domains four years ago. And now everybody's using them. And you can still pick up cool ones like, I don't know, what's that one you've got that's really good? The DDD one? Well, you've got DDD, but there's another one that I think is really good. That, a uh, depot. Depot.io oh, yeah. is a lovely yeah. name. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, so you, you picked that up and you wouldn't have been able to do that a couple yeah. of years earlier. Things change. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I understand what you mean. But... um the other thing is that I, th- I I don't think they mean that much. I don't think they mean as much as they used to. You know, I suppose kids don't really use IRC like we do. Mm-hmm. And everything else, you don't really... I mean, do you have a short uh, a vanity elf for Facebook? Yeah, I got a vanity URL for Facebook. Does anybody ever see it? Mm. No, probably not. I mean, they see it if I link it. Like if I all all of the places yeah, that I, but link I mean, to it, yeah. To be honest, I mean, most people I know who aren't sort of um, in our field of work, they, mm-hmm. they go into Facebook and they don't leave Facebook. You know, yeah. They might they may as well be to not have a browser. They might as well just have Facebook, and mm-hmm. and then they you know they go to Facebook to search for things and they move out of Facebook yeah. onto the web and come back to Facebook when they want to you know mm-hmm. browse other people's lives. Not. Yeah, I, this is. I mean, this is definitely a. Uh, First world programmer daddy problem, or definitely, you know, that, I'd say. But it is something that I I will be curious to see how it actually plays out over time. As you know, people you know there will be a certain number of people that will want to have a vanity name on Facebook, and no one else can have Simonson. You know, no. I'm sure there's already a, a a Luke on Facebook, and you know, mm. it. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things that. It, it was never a problem before, and we haven't really seen what it's going to be like in you know twenty or thirty years from now. So anyway, it's it's something that I, I saw someone tweet about it, and it reminded me that it's something that I think about from time to time. That you know, I'm glad that I have the the things that I have now because I managed to get in early and get things like Bo.io and you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I I kind of regret using my handle oh, because it's so long I mean who I didn't know when I first started using the internet and chat mm-hmm. rooms and IRC and yeah. my blog and stuff that you know we'd have Twitter and Dave development would actually be quite awkward for Twitter conversations and stuff I mean yeah when you get into a conversation on Twitter I think there's probably once it gets to about four or five names it starts becoming difficult because you have any room to follow that's mm-hmm. a type, sorry. Whereas, you know, when you sling my name in there, and then that, that, the room for error becomes even, yeah. even less because you just don't have the, the, the characters. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a mouthful anyway, you know? Well, yeah. 
Oh, like, I've, t- I've talked to you before about namespacing my projects. I, yeah, I hate using a vendor namespace because my for myself, my vendor name would be Dave Development, which is annoying to type. Yeah. So on that, uh, it's pretty pretty dead dead on related and not on my list of things to talk about is uh, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Dragonfly development mm-hmm. uh, because that is a mouthful. I think it's like seven syllables. Um, yeah. Pretty much everywhere I've just dropped, like even my, my main domain name is dflydev.com. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been considering switching my branding and trying to just drop the full name and not use that anywhere anymore. And, you know, my corporate papers all say Dragonfly Development and everything, but I considering doing a DBA of DFly Dev and just making that be my brand. Hmm. Um, because that's what people see. Like, if they look at the packages that I'm releasing, it's just going to be DFly Dev. Uh, if they go to my website, it's dflydev.com. Twitter handle is at DFly Dev. I mean, it's, it's DFly Dev everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in the, the small bit of freelancing and things I, I do, I trade on, as, um, ATST solutions, mm-hmm. but I reveal that to ATST all the time. And if I could acquire ATST.com and various other domain names to go with it, I'd, I'd switch to it in an instant. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't blame you at all dropping the, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to worry about filing papers and things to change the name because you can, mm-hmm. it's just DFly Dev can just be the trade name, can't it? And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's basically what the DBA is. Is DBA, D- right? Yeah, I mean that would be something like if I that's wanted a database like, administrator to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, doing business as. Right. Um, okay. We say trading as. Yeah. Um. So that that would just that would just be like a for- formality sort of thing if I wanted to have um. Uh, like checks printed for my bank. If I wanted the checks to say DFly Dev, um, I would have to do like a DBA yeah. to be able to do that. But. I wouldn't probably need to do that because I don't do much with checks. So, anyway, yeah. it's something that I've been thinking about. Um, I I sponsored Madison PHP conference. Yes, and um, I which ran is cool, my... by the way. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, it was it's I ran into this problem that I've had ever since I created the company and created my little Dragonfly logo is that it's super awkward to try to fit the name Dragonfly Development anywhere with next mm. to my logo. Um, just because it's so long and I don't know, it just, it has, has, it has always bothered me. Um, and I actually own dragonflydevelopment.com and I fat fingered that so many times, like trying to log into network solutions yeah. was a no, dragonflydevelopment.com email address. I mean, that's the big reason I switched to dfly dev. And after I did dflydev.com, everything else sort of went that same way. So. I don't know. It's 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 something that I'm I, I've been actively considering. It's just funny that you you've got Dave Development, and that's that's a good two syllable shorter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Dragonfly Development, and it's just really been something that I've been thinking about lately. So I don't know. We'll have to see how that that plays out. I just got new business cards, uh, which is why I was thinking about it even more. And I ended up putting Dragonfly Development on it. But I think the next iteration of business cards or any sort of marketing that I do. I might just just flip back to DFly Dev and call it good. Mm. It's a good call, actually. I ought to get some new business cards printed up before I, before I go to Symphony Live because I don't know if I've got many left. Yeah, I have um, a new... Uh, I'm supposed to be giving my stack talk on Tuesday uh, for oh, yeah. Milwaukee PHP. 
and uh, I still have a lot of work to do on it, but it'll be good to get that out of the way so that I'm not too stressed about it right before Symphony Live. But yeah. um, I'm out of business cards, so I, I needed to order new business cards, and um, I ended up spending a day last week just kind of redesigning them and everything so that I would get them in time because I always end up ordering these things at the last minute and it ends up costing me more in shipping yeah. than the cards cost themselves. So I did it early enough that they should be here hopefully tomorrow or on Monday, which is a day before. So yeah. we'll see. Hey man, I'm delivering my testables talk at Leeds PHP user group uh, between now and Symphony Live. So I'm in the same boat as in I've got to prepare it early and get to do practice. So I'm quite pleased about that. Yeah, cool. Uh, conferences, uh, Madison PHP is next weekend, I think. It's next week. Cool. Weekend. So excited? that's going to be fun. Yeah, I am excited. Uh, I get to give my namespaces talk. I think it's the namespaces talk. I should double check out that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty fun. It's, it's, uh, it's nice to have a, a local place that I can be a part of now. So that's pretty fun. I'm excited to go yeah. do that. And, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a pretty big deal for our, our local community here. So. Yeah, um, no, I think it's really cool that you're sponsoring it as well because, I mean, obviously you'll get benefits as mm-hmm. a sponsor if it leads to any business, that's cool, but it's kind of a, I think it's a good giving to the community type thing because uh, conferences definitely need the money and yeah, any shouting about the conferences you can do. No, to be honest, I mean, I've seen how much you tweet about this stuff anyway to try and raise awareness, but it's pretty cool, I think, that you put some money where uh, your mouth is. Well yeah, done. Yeah, Pats on the back. Yeah, I- <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been something I've been thinking about for a while that, you know, I'd like to I'd like to start getting some more exposure, but you know, I also want to help out if I can. So, it's a it seems to be a good way to help out and also get some exposure, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um let's see what else. Oh, uh Forum PHP. Speaking of conferences, I I got selected to speak at Forum PHP in Paris. Congratulations. So, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. That's uh that would be uh just shortly after Symphony Live actually. So um and Beck said, It's a good thing you're taking me to Paris when we're going to London. Otherwise you would be taking me to Paris again <laughs> for the other <laughs> trip. Because so, yeah. uh, she 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 was uh thinking that she'd be pretty jealous if I went to Paris without her for the first time. So yeah. um yeah. So anyway, so that that's that's going to be a fun trip. I'm looking forward to that. And, and all what that talk are you up. delivering there? Um, I'm actually doing a brand new talk that um, I that I came up with based on their their topic, and um, I think the talk title is "Bringing Sculpin to Life" um, or something along those lines. So I'm I'm going to be talking about uh, everything <coughs> sort of that went into creating Sculpin, uh, all the way from kind of before I was even thinking about it. So back to my days working on Jekyll and Octopress and sort of all of the decisions that led to uh, deciding, should I do this? How should I do it? Um, should I market it? When should I market it? That sort of thing. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun topic, I think, because I, I, I like talking to people about it. And uh, I think it could be uh, could be a good topic for people. So yeah, they seem, so. It, they seem super excited about it too. So that's that helps. It brings me a lot of confidence. So yeah. I really like uh, story based talks. Cool. Yeah. Uh, quick mention of Sculpin. I seem to use uh, the show as a as an excuse to mention things that I've seen Sculpin on to 
Uh, there's a site called modernstatic.com or something along those lines that lists um, static site generators. Uh, and Sculpin's on there, but I'm pretty sure it lists it as something that uh, sort of generates PHP. Um, oh. As, as in, it generates something that's still dynamic. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting because I this might be like a language thing. I think at some point I've gone back and forth on like how to describe it. And sometimes I think I say it's a static site generator for PHP or a PHP yeah. static site generator. Um, yeah. I can see how like I wanted to set it apart as being it's a P- it's a site generator written in PHP, but I can see how it's possible someone might actually interpret that differently so i'll maybe i'll if you if you post it on the show notes maybe i'll go check it out and see if i can correct that um, yeah I, I will do i actually got cool. there from reddit because uh, someone posted something about uh, building static sites in silex <laughs> and they're not really static sites but they're just you know sites Little, with a, yeah. without without a database or something uh, yeah i saw the link from there but That's, i mentioned that because it was quite funny somebody started ranting about silex not being a micro framework again yeah um and I quite enjoyed. They said um, to say something along the lines of saying it's a micro framework is a really an intellectual sham. Um, <laughs> you know, you just can't believe what some people say. I mean, don't be wrong. I mean, he's entitled to his opinion about it not being all that micro. We've talked about this a million times before. Yeah. But just to be an intellectual sham. I don't think anyone's. I don't think Fabian is trying to you know convince people or, or you know scam yeah. people into thinking it's uh, something it's not. <laughs> you know, Silex is Silex. If you don't like yeah. it, don't use it. Yeah. If you don't think it's a micro framework, don't think it's a micro framework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, um, I followed that thread too, because I think it got posted to the Silex channel yesterday. Um, oh yeah, it was me. Okay. Oh, you, okay. You, yeah. And, um, I ended up going to the, um, the actual blog post and I commented both in Reddit and the blog post that uh, the big reason that they had mentioned not thinking as a static site generator works all the time is in difficulty creating um, RSS feeds that you, you couldn't do an RSS feed without dropping down to, to writing code in Ruby. And so I, I took the opportunity to say, well, actually, which I know that I don't remember what well actually is, but I think that's not something that you're supposed to say to people. But mm-hmm. I said, um, you know, RSS feeds aren't generally a problem for some static site generators like Sculpin. Um, it's basically just another type of feed, and I want, and, or it's a different type of source. You know, you just output XML instead of HTML. Um, but I think I think Jekyll probably does that. Anyway, the the, the author wrote back that actually, yeah, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that. What I was actually meaning was something like uh, related posts, or mm. related posts, or um, most recent posts, that sort of thing which is more difficult. And I know that stuff is more difficult with Jekyll. Um, yeah. And with Sculpin, it, it's, it would be possible. Uh, there's a PR open right now to basically add um, data sources globally or data providers globally. Um, but the downside would be any, if you do something like add post data to the, to a global template, any change to a post would rebuild the entire site. So you would lose a lot of the performance benefits that there are right now that if you change just a post, it'll just rebuild a post. Yeah, or of course, change, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so it, it would be possible to do something like that with Sculpin pretty easily, but, uh, I mean, after that PR has been fixed up and merged. 
Um, but I don't know if people would actually want to use it because of the performance hit. But anyway, it, it was it was an interesting discussion, and it was a little unfortunate the the title that he picked because I think a lot of people were paying more attention to that than yeah. the actual content. So. So, um, something I really quickly wanted to mention was a little project called Wacker Time. Um, I was put onto it by Sean McCool from the, well, most, low, most well known from the Laravel community. And it's, um, there's a big bunch of, um, editor plugins. Uh, I use Vim and I've installed it on my, uh, my desktop machine. And basically it tracks time in your editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it based on the current working directory so over the course of the day or the week I can look and see how much time I spent in my editor on things and it's only a little toy thing but it's actually quite interesting especially for a few of the little open source type things I do um, quite often particularly with mockery when I'm supporting things and Silex as well I'll drop into my editor into that project and, you know, start fiddling around and having a look at things, trying to work something out for somebody. And, you know, and that soon adds up. I think uh, I've already spent um, 25 minutes this week uh, in the Mockery project, and that was just support, and actually, I think I tagged the release. Um, you know what I mean? But it, I, you, get, you get a sense for these things, but not as actually as well as it actually just tracking the time. I don't know if I want to use it forever, because uh, I don't know how much information on what it's taking and how much I want to give away. But uh, it's quite an interesting project if, uh, if you'd fancy trying it out for a while. Sadly, sad, sadly, I haven't installed it on my laptop yet, so it's only tracking about half of my time. But Yeah. Yeah, something it's like cool. that might be interesting to see where I'm spending my time. I've, I've been struggling a lot with doing things that need to be done versus other things that don't. <laughs> um, so that's been kind of... that's. I don't know. But between the move and uh, a lot of extra work from one of my clients, uh, I I've, I've just feel like I'm super behind right now, and I am don't feel like I'm using my time very efficiently. So it might be nice to have some accountability there to say, why did you spend this much time in working on this project? This wasn't super important. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I definitely need some... I'm, I'm usually... Do, I'm pretty good at spending my time on the right projects, but with me, I have one particularly big project for work, and it's kind of like within that project where I spend my time. Um, yeah, I've had—I don't know which particular sort of productivity technique it is, but something to do with finding the thing on your to-do list that you least want to do. Yeah, and you get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, and then start on the other things. And I need to start doing that a little bit because there's these things that are piling up that I just don't want to do. You know, but. I need to get them off my list. And I have done that so far this week, to be fair. I've been, um, we've had a designer some, do some design work, more, more design work for us, and coded up HTML, CSS, and I'm just integrating that in templates. Of, uh, which is kind of boring work and fiddly as well sometimes. Yeah. But um, it needs doing, so got to be done. Mm-hmm. So, can't, uh, Broadway? Have you looked at Broadway yet? Yes, I have. I'm quite impressed. It's quite nice. Um, I was kind of frustrated that it doesn't it isn't exactly the same as what I, how I do some things. I couldn't just drop it right into my project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, yeah. It looks like it could be a good starting place for other projects. 
Yeah. Uh, how about I'm, you? Have you uh, you actually put it into uh, to use? I know you've been looking at it quite closely. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm at a point with a couple of my projects. Um, you know, as as you know that I've been looking at event centric, and mm. kind of trying to figure out if I should do that or roll my own thing based on something like Buttercup or like the early model of event centric. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time on an event store, but I really needed something that worked and something that was stable and that I could rely on. So, uh, I'm going to give, uh, Broadway a shot for two projects, I think, uh, two that are pretty much needing to start right now. So I've been spending a lot of time in it. I've sent a couple of pull requests and some of them hmm. have, haven't been necessarily very good, um, ideas, but just stuff that didn't work out of the box for my, my current designs. So, yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of them. one of those things I've seen you chatting about, and I think you just need to get over it and move on. I mean, the get ID thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand why you'd like it to be the way you're doing it, but yeah. it's such a minor thing, and I, that wouldn't stop me using the project. Yeah, or well, stop it, me progressing my current projects. Yeah, it hasn't actually stopped me. I've I've Good. done everything with with get ID so far. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's at an early enough stage that if it's easy to switch that, why not? You know? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've already, um, I, I sent the PR to allow GetID to return objects so that you can return an object at least if you want to do that. Um, and, um, so that was kind of the first step. And in the process, you know, some people were asking me some other questions and I was like, well, we could do it this way and then we wouldn't even have to have GetID, which would be kind of nice too. So, yeah. Um, there, there are some differences. Um, like I really liked where event-centric was going because it let me do whatever I wanted to in my domain objects. Like the entities and the value objects could be pretty much anything I wanted them to be. Um, so this was this was kind of a little more difficult for me to, to swallow just because now I actually have to um, extend the aggregate route that they're providing. Mm-hmm. Um, or... Maybe it's just implementing the interface. It might just be implementing the interface. No, it's it's extending. You actually yeah, have to I extend think it's it. Extend, yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, I mean, that was a big thing for me to swallow, <laughs> um, just because you know I've been working really hard to avoid that. That's a lot of the reasons why I don't want to do things with like doctrine in in other ways. So, um, so I am I am just rolling with it because I need something that's production ready and is close enough to what what I want. Um, but at the same time, if it's easy to change those things now. Um, you know, I'm just throwing out a bunch of ideas. So it's been, it's been fun seeing that, um, working with, with them and kind of trying to figure out how to move forward. And, um, I, we already have, I've been working with my contractor on, um, building out, uh, one of our projects. And I think we have, uh, maybe a half, half of one of the, um, bounded contacts done in, mm-hmm. in Broadway now. From scratch, it was a from scratch project, which made it a lot easier. It would be a Excellent. lot harder, like like you said, it would be a lot harder to take something that, you know, if I already had get user ID in my entities, then then now it, it needs to be get ID. That would that would be more complicated to try to try to move a project to that a little bit. You just have to add another wrapper or whatever, you know, an mm-hmm. empty method or something. So I, I I know it's not not doable, um, but yeah. So anyway, it's it's been fun. Um, I like it. Um, I still want to keep keep up with event centric, uh, but I I really can't spend a lot of time doing development on that kind of thing right now. So no, that's feel, right. Yeah, I feel a little bad for leaving uh, Matthias and 
in in the wind, hanging in the wind a little bit. Because I, 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 you know, I talked to him about trying to help out with like the my my SQL implementation of the event store and things like that. But I just haven't had time. So this yeah. this is something I can use right now. That's it. Yeah, Matthias's project is, as he's mentioned, it's kind of research, kind of mm-hmm. in develop heavy development. Uh, candidate, so I'm pronouncing it candidate. I don't mm-hmm. know how we should be pronouncing it. Their project is in production use. It's made to be used. It cuts corners. It does yeah. some things a little bit more easily. It uses inheritance rather than traits or whatever yeah. Matthias was using. Mm-hmm. But but you know it's working. Um, it's working. On a so, on a on a side note, just mentioning the candidate, um, or however it's meant to be pronounced. We should ask Alexander. But uh, they seem to be like putting out a lot of good blog posts and uh, tech. Mm-hmm. You know the like the sort of free open source side of things looks cool. Having mm-hmm. spoke to a few of the people who work there as well as Alexander, like uh sounds like a really cool place to work and just uh I d I, I don't get paid to uh to say that but it, <laughs> it does sound like a, a good place to work. So yeah. if they are hiring, go I don't know if they are, but go to their website and have a look. They might be. And if you're in the area, probably a cool place to work. Yeah, actually the their lab site is a sculpting site. It's one I don't know if you do Excellent. that or not. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, so he, um, I've, I've talked with him quite a bit in the uh, Sculpin channel early on. Um, he wanted to try to get uh, author posts, like be able mm. to say which authors po- um, go with the posts. So I think I think he has a bundle that I don't know if that's been released yet. Uh, there's other ways to do it that you don't need to to use a bundle, but um, mm. it was kind of fun because that was one of the one of the one of the earlier Sculpin sites that you know people are starting to to visit the site a little bit more often now. I don't know if they knew it was sculpting or not. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I did like about Broadway um, is that, which is is kind of different than what I was, you know, some of the reasons like event centric were for certain reasons. Uh, Broadway doesn't have um, any uh, event interface. Uh, there's no um, events can be anything. They they don't have to yep. do anything. So I, I I've actually been really liking that that. One of the things that I didn't like about event centric was as, as much as I could make my, um, actual entities not tied to event centric in any way, all of the events were. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, that, that made things a little more complicated for like integrating with, say, like the uh, symphony event dispatcher. Um, I had to write wrappers in a couple of different places for that to both wrap the event and wrap the d- event dispatcher. Um, to do some weird things. So uh, that is one thing I've liked about Broadway is that uh, although the entities all have to extend the aggregate route, um, everything else is completely open. Yeah. So like the commands and the, the events themselves, I've, I've liked that quite a bit. So it's, it's made things a lot, made certain things a lot easier. Mm. It comes with a, a simple event dispatcher as well, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And to be honest, when you, when you read it, it literally just feels like that's all you need. Mm. It's a... Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Symphony Event Dispatcher is is great, but it's you know, it's a fairly stable API now. Uh, it doesn't really mm-hmm. change much, and it doesn't really do a lot either. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not something I'd hesitate to write myself for a project. Yeah. So speaking of uh, decomposing packages, um, yeah. I mean that the, the fact that they ship their own event dispatcher sort of goes along with that concept. I was thinking about that in some of my projects where I might want to do that anyway. Like, um, 
I think Ahari was asking me about Broadway and said, why did they ship their own event dispatcher? Like, why didn't they, like, there's tons of them now. It's like, well, yeah. I don't think the, the purpose of Broadway's event dispatcher is to be a standalone dispatcher anyone could use. It's intended to be a dispatcher that Broadway uses. Yeah. Um, so for my, for my domain events, I have a custom rolled event dispatcher that's its own yeah. thing. I don't use, I mean, this is part of a, a Silex app and I don't use the Symphony event dispatcher because there's no need to. It, yeah. Event dispatching is, I mean, it, you look at the event dispatcher, in Broadway, I think the public API is probably like two methods. Yeah. And there's probably some interface segregation principle problem there anyway, because mm-hmm. one's probably to add a listener, one's probably to send events. Um, yeah. It's such a simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to pull in another component to do that? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. we've been talking about, so the Symphony event dispatcher, we've been talking about um, the, the C implementation of that now because it's been stable for so long mm-hmm. and doesn't change. You know, that we can literally, they're talking about writing a C implementation so we can drop that in and get performance improvements because there's nothing else to do well, as far mm-hmm. as the component goes. Um, and if something's that stable, what benefit do you get of using a third party component? Some yeah. integration, but we don't want integration. We're not, but for something like, Broadway's event dispatcher and using an event, event dispatcher in that context, there aren't going to be third party plugins for my application. Or there might yeah. be, but if they are, I'm writing them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't need to worry about interoperability. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and as you know, I'm, I'm very much of uh, decomposing packages. Yeah. So, so my, um, I've been thinking a lot about stack lately because I need to start doing more with stack. And, um, and I need to, to finish talks on stack and people are asking me about stack more. Um, Igor is sort of stepping back from stack a tiny bit or a lot of it. I'm not really sure. Um, but a lot of the, the stack communication is probably going to start flowing my way. Hmm. Um, and I was thinking more about the fact that a lot of the stack middlewares right now are using pimple for their configuration. Um, and specifically pimple two. Um, which me are pimple one, I guess, right? Pimple two was the short lived one and now it's pimple three. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stack middlewares used pimple one for their configuration and setup, which means that none of those stack middlewares, even though that was that configuration of them was very minor, none of them would be compatible with the Silex two application. Yeah. Even though that configuration could be done, you didn't even need to know. Pimple was being used for that configuration. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you used the public API, you did not see Pimple. Right. Um, in which case, yeah, in the which ideal case, solution, the ideal to, solution would be to ship a ver- a namespace version of Pimple. Yeah. That could be stable because you know it either works or it doesn't. Right. Um, so get maybe it's not Pimple, maybe it's some other micro container that you know is you know a couple couple of methods or whatever. That could be shipped alongside, hmm. inside the package itself, as yeah. opposed to having that dependency there. So I, it's it's something that I've been seeing more and more as something that I think needs to be addressed somehow. So. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, it could be you know, there's a lot of people who turn around and you know, tells tells to burn that suggestion with fire because we're not you know we're not reusing right. packages or some rubbish like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, t- 
PHP MIG, my migrations library. Um, uh, I, I wrote that before the advent of Composer. And I actually shipped a namespace copy of Pimple with that, mm. uh, library. And it worked great. <laughs> you know, I removed yeah. it at some point because everybody was using Pimple anyway, but, uh, and it wasn't a requirement actually. Yeah. I removed it and replaced it with a Ray Access as the interface, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't, especially with something like Pimple that rarely changes. It's one of the things that we talk about in the, um, every single issue that comes up on Pimple and GitHub is that we don't really change Pimple. Obviously we changed for two and, and three. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the changes that drove the things that drove the changes for two was performance stuff. We just, you know, we, Fabian said like we, the API is fairly clear with Pimple. We've, We've done it to death, yeah. you know. So and then he basically battered the internals to get squeeze as much performance out of it as he could, and changed one method, which was really just aliasing anyway, to be to suit the uh, the general use case of Pimple. Mm-hmm. So to something like Pimple to decompose into your own namespace and borrow, copy paste, whatever you want to call it, um, such a stable API, I wouldn't hesitate at all. Yeah. I can say I, I do loads of stuff. Right? I don't hesitate. I mean, one of the things I do like to do is I would I would definitely vendor something in with Composer as usual to start with. Then then when I realise that I'm using ten percent of the code base for what I need, then I'd just start to either decompose that package into something of my own or write something from scratch that matches the API. Um, but I think that would be frowned upon by a lot of people. Um, you know, yeah. they want to use every package they can. Um, but like I say, I mean, um, I think I told you, we'll see the, the lock count of my vendor folder on, on Child UK, something like 300,000 lines or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a huge amount of code, third party code to monitor, maintain, keep up to date with. Mm-hmm. Review when it changes and stuff like that. So, if I can get away without using a package now, I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. My the only time that I've done this in in recent experience was um, I, I copied a bunch of the event centric interfaces and some of the traits into uh, one of my client projects and renamed mm-hmm. spaced it all. And I'm so glad I did because that that. Um, the, the, the interfaces worked, and we weren't actually we're not actually using the event store at all. Uh, we're still using uh, Doctrine to store state. Um, we're just using the event interfaces to basically record the events as they happen and apply them and distribute them to other places. Um, so so everything is set up as if it were events sourced, except the repository isn't event sourced. The repository. Um, all right. Um, I think it's very similar to what you had with your doctrine command handler. Basically, um, the the save method on the repository uh, actually persists, uses the doctrine entity manager to persist the, the object, and then mm-hmm. it just processes all the uncommitted events and sends it to the event dispatcher. Yeah. So, um, so we're, we're the the entities right now could all be event sourced. They just aren't. But but we've been really strict with it so that every like if tomorrow we decided we wanted to switch to an event store, we could do that. 
So that's pretty, it's, it's, it's kind of a nice place to be like a middle ground between event sourcing, full on event sourcing and not. Um, so everything is being driven with events. So that's pretty cool, but, um, it's all in its own namespace. So those interfaces all worked at a certain point in time and they'll continue to work forever (laughs) until they need to change them. And, you know, the events, event-centric interfaces can change. They can move. They can be completely updated, and it doesn't impact this project at all. So I, that's it. Yeah, I'm pretty well, happy you, that you, I did that. You have locked into that version 100%, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, which is something you can do with Composer until another one of the projects that you depend on you want to update, and that one depends yeah. on something else. And this stuff isn't; these dependencies aren't really something that you desperately need but you know it's just, it's just hard and it can get messy dependency hell it is not a nice place to be in mm-hmm. uh, so stay away from it yeah there were hundreds of little things as well um, like ego we mentioned ego earlier ego like has a few of these little functional libraries and things um, like there's a little um, array getter library mm-hmm. I would not I mean I have a sort of namespace for random functions in most of my applications and I wouldn't hesitate to just copy and paste everything from Igor's library into my own namespace for for that purpose if you see what I mean yeah the smaller the smaller the amount of code you need the more likely it is to go into my main namespace rather than yeah. as an external lib mm-hmm. yeah I think that it, I think it makes a lot of sense to create those really small external libs um, like you said mm-hmm. you could still require them early on and use them as soon as you realize that you, you're you're set on that and then you can copy it in you know and if someone were to build a an actual tool to properly copy code from composer packages it would make sense then to have that little tiny library in its own package and then you can yeah. just copy it in it would be a lot easier than you know well this is what we've it. talked about decomposer.far yeah yeah it's coming it's coming it's coming yeah. So, as an example, let me see if I can just find one of Igor's libraries. Um, so, the the one I mentioned was called getting, um, and it's functions for hash map traversal, is what he calls it. Um, and admittedly, oh, he's ruined this for me because he made a change three days ago. <laughs> but previously to that, Nothing had changed for a month or two months or three months or four months. Mm-hmm. And when they do change, it's like one line and it's probably not all that interesting to most people. Mm-hmm. And something like that, um, where they we're talking about, I don't know, let me have a quick look. 68 lines of code. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, these are three functions, 68 yeah. lines of code. But I wouldn't hesitate to copy paste that into my own namespace and use it. As yeah. is. I, um. And God, you know, I might miss out on a few bug fixes, but I mean, if I don't find those bugs anytime soon. Yeah. If they don't impact n- you, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not going to worry. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I alluded to this in previous episodes, but, uh, one of my new talks that I've been putting together was decomposing packages. Mm. Um, and, um, I, I think the, I think the first place, maybe only place I've, uh, no, I think I submitted it to Madison PHP and I've submitted it to True North PHP. Uh, you missed the True North call for papers, right? I did. Uh, 
this holiday we were waiting for passports to arrive. As soon as yeah. they did arrive, we booked. So we, yeah. I booked, and we left five days later. So we had loads of stuff to sort out, and the call for papers sort of was around the leaving date for the holiday. So I just yeah. missed it. Yeah, my um, uh, I think we're supposed to hear back by by Monday on or before Monday. So I'll I'll see if I've been selected to speak about decomposing packages, and if so, then I'll probably have to swiftly start creating a uh, an actual application to mm. to go with the talk which i think that's called uh, development driven talk which i've heard is bad <laughs> i think that oh, um someone someone recommended me to watch uh day camp for devs uh, there was one on uh talks and i think one of the talks specifically was about avoiding de- uh, development driven talks so mm. um I, th- I think that i can talk on the concept either way uh, but it would be great if there was something to go along with it that people could actually, you know, take away and use. But we'll see if anyone picks that up. Uh, there's also a bunch of new call for papers open now. Um, Confu, uh, Sunshine PHP, and uh, PHP Benelux are all yes. open now. So uh, PHP UK conference as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's, uh, I think, SymphonyCon's call for papers closes today. It does. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which this will give people a good idea as to when we actually recorded this episode. Um, I'm I'm on the fence on SymphonyCon. I would absolutely love to go do a SymphonyCon, um, but my conference schedule right now is so crazy that I just don't know if I can do it. Um, I would have to see what at this point I'd have to see what the speaker package is to see how much of the flight they would cover. And I don't think it's very that. much. I think they've um, they've reined that in a little bit for the Symphony conferences. Yeah. Um, so and I'll, 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 I, I remember looking and thinking I probably ought to fund most of that myself. Yeah. Um, one of the things for me is um, I've this will be this Symphony Live will be my third uh, conference talk I've delivered, and all three have been at Symphony conferences. So I'm not going to submit to any more Symphony conferences. I'm going to concentrate on other, other conferences. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get niched too much. Uh, I feel like I could. Uh, we were talked before about doing a Silex 2 talk. I'm sure I could probably get one of those into another Symphony conference at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not too, too fussed. I tried to, uh, drum up some encouragement in Silex IRC channel yesterday for somebody else to submit that. Possibly mm-hmm. somebody who hasn't done a conference talk before, but nobody took the bait. So, uh, yeah, not to worry. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I'm actually going to be going to, to, European conferences this year, which is which is awesome, um, mm. and Madrid would be great, cause I, and that would be another country that I haven't been to before. But I just don't know if I can afford it, and I don't know if I can really take that time off. Um, yeah, double whammy for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 the double it's the double hit of actually paying to go and mm. not being able to work and make money during that time. It's not like yeah, cost. Yeah, so. I'm in a place right now where um, I've actually been working with a uh, one of my clients. They've had a lot of extra uh, time for me. Uh, the project's actually been far more complicated than... Um, I, I Actually, I shouldn't say it's been more complicated than I anticipated. I knew it was going to be a very complicated project. Um, the, the amount of time that it would take to do some of these things I wasn't sure about. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I, I didn't bid it. Um, and I think this just reinforces for me that I, I'm not going to do bids. <laughs> uh, even, even if I 
am able to see the project really well and understand what's going on. Uh, you just don't know what things are going to come up while you're actually working no. on it. So, no um, estimates. Yeah, no es. Yeah, well, estimates. No, no estimates. No, yeah. no estimates. No estimates. <laughs> no estimates. That's the rule. Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, so, so do you distinguish between estimates and bids? No, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm a, I'm an employee. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so, so an estimate is just saying this is how long I think it'll take, and yeah. with, with with the knowledge that it may change. A bid would be, I'm going to do this in this many days. And at the end of the, at the end, the project has to be done regardless of how many days it takes me. Yeah. Okay. So if it takes me less days or more days, they're still going to pay me the same amount. Yeah. Uh, and an estimate is just a way to say, okay, best estimate, you know, this is my guess on how, how long this will take. So you can expect these things to be done by this time. And then it can change as you go, as you understand the project better. But they're they're under some really tight deadlines, and um, I've ended up having. We originally talked about doing four days last month, um, and then we ended up doing six. Um, and there's a whole slew of things that I wasn't able to get to that I was pretty much in charge of architecting. So mm. um, they pretty much needed me to to fix it. Like it was possible the other people could uh, the other person could have worked on it, but. Um, <laughs> It just would have made it would have made more sense for me to do it. Plus, they had a bunch of other things that were their responsibility anyway. So um, we ended up putting another uh, so it was six days, and then we ended up putting another four days on the schedule. Um, and then I ended I still ended up having to put in another day and a half hmm. after that. And um, it's really it's really like down to the wire for them on some of these things. So I've uh, I, I've I've put in a lot of extra work and it's kind of negatively impacted my <laughs> my uh, my weekend time because basically mm. I've, I have stuff that I was doing otherwise. So I've been working on weekends, super late nights. Um, I think I had three hours of sleep Saturday night and five hours of sleep Sunday night. Um, yeah. So it was uh, it's, it's been pretty rough, but it's it's been good. Uh, it's it's going to get me uh, to the point where I don't have to. Um, it's basically an extra month's worth of income, <laughs> yeah. Um, which which is good. I mean, I it was an extra month's worth of work, you know, on on a month already, so it makes sense. But um, it's going to help out because I'm not going to be able to work as much this month or next month uh, because of all the conferences. So it's 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 good. Uh, it's just been really really difficult. So I'm I'm hoping that everything's going to work out for them now. I think it's at a place where I can hand it off to them. Um, and they could use it. Uh, it. It could use a lot of tests. Um, I basically had to cut out the testing that I was doing. I'd, I've been doing a really good job of testing um, to make sure that it was really stable. Um, but the last few features that I implemented, I, I sort of just did manual testing along the way because it needed to get mm -hmm. done. And, you know, the the, the amount of tests. Uh, did I show you the tests that I had been doing? I'd you be showed curious. me some, yes. Yeah. There, it was like, I don't know, it was like... 6,000 lines of test code right now um, just on two of the smaller not they, they were like very small things but they were like the core it was like mm. the core of the domain uh, was these time calculation things so that we had to make sure that all of the edge cases worked and um, and none of that's there for the, the last few use cases so I don't know I, I feel a little bad handing it off to them in that space <coughs> but at the same time I know that they need it done and this was the way to get it done. 
and now they can go they can go in and add the test themselves hopefully but last one says you have to compromise don't you yeah 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 at the end there there's a a lot more compromise than there was early on so (laughs) yeah so um do you You want to wrap it up yeah we could wrap it up um just double checking here yeah, I think I think we a lot of this other stuff we could talk about another time, or a yeah. lot of it's kind of older. So, and I know that you're not feeling well, and we need to maybe not go to two hours this time. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. Cool. But I mean, thinking of things for the next show, um, I think we should hear about some of your side projects if there's yep. any progress on those, and I shall endeavor to have more entertaining things to talk about. Uh, nice. Hopefully, I'll be. Well, man, having said that, we'll be at Symphony Live, won't we? So. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, no, because it's not, no, it's a bit further away than I thought, isn't it? Well, it's still pretty close. <laughs> it's still pretty close, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting, but it's also kind of stressful. So, uh, yeah. Every, every day it gets closer and I, I get more excited and more stressed. So. <laughs> That's going to be cool. Yeah. Okay, I, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I guess, uh, we'll call this one a wrap. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox like the music you can thank gorillo for allowing us to sample the track dust kingdom for our intro and outro you can find dust kingdom and other tracks by gorillo at grillo.bandcamp.com spelled g-r-i-l-l-o